Welcome back into another episode of We're Talking Tonight. Raging Dave Amato. How's it going, Dave? Oh, tired. Uh, just uh, got back in town on Monday from being out of town at a trade show and just trying to get back into the swing of things. So tired, but uh, fun weekend of uh, work and play and, and watching a little football. So I'm excited. And once again, travels to Indianapolis, but fails to eat at St. Elmo's. I did fail again to eat at St. Elmo's. Um, we did have a wonderful dinner, uh, though, at the Skyline Club. And I don't know if you yes. are familiar with that. So it's at the top of the One America building on the 36th floor. And it actually overlooks the, uh, the large circle, the monument right yep, there. Monument the, circle. Yeah, and uh, we got to see the entire skyline at night of Indianapolis. It was quite awesome, actually. Uh, it's a beautiful to... skyline. Yeah, I know. And from that view, it was, you know, I, I, I've been to Indianapolis a couple of times and, and seen the city from, the, you know, from the ground. But being there was, was awesome. And then uh, actually hit a really cool brewery on uh, Sunday night. And uh, I got to watch a little Monday night football. So, I mean, uh, Sunday night football. I was going to say, if you watch Monday night football on Sunday no. night, <laughs> no. next time, let me know. I want to bet on that game. No, no, Sunday night football, I should have said. Uh, got to watch a little bit of the uh, the Cowgirls and the uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks uh, play. So, that was uh, that was good. So, so yeah, it was a good trip and uh, got home and uh, ready to get back into the swing of things. Sweet. Well, let's get started, man. We're going to do a little reverse review here. We're going to talk about what happened in the Sunbelt Conference uh, this weekend. I don't think there was uh, a bigger weekend for a G5 conference than there was this weekend in the Sunbelt yeah. Conference. Before yeah. we get to the three big games, so let's talk about some of these other games that went sure. on. Uh, North Carolina and Georgia State, it was a game that I... Uh, I had on early and then North Carolina jumped out to a big lead in the game. I really wanted to watch. I switched over to South Alabama and central Michigan, which we'll get to next. Mm -hmm. But as I was watching it, I said, Oh, let me see what's going on to Georgia state, North Carolina. Well, Georgia state ties the game at, at 28 and ends up losing. Did you, did you get to follow that at all or I, get to I, see any of the highlights? I, I saw some highlights and I followed it while it was going on. And, and look, I, I was as big of a fan as Georgia State starting the season as anybody. Uh, and they've played well in two P5 games, but come up short in both of them. I still think they're a team to, that, that's going to give the uh, East a little trouble. I think they're a team that you really got to watch out for. But they've, they've just been disappointing that they haven't been able to pull out either one of those two games. Well, when we come back from our first commercial break, which is not right now, when we come back from that, I'll give you, I forgot to, uh, I got tied up uh, mowing the lawn and doing some other things. So we'll, we'll uh, come back and give you how we finished with our picks this past week. So, but not right now. Let's uh, continue on. Um, I, I think a game that uh, was, uh, I hate to say overlooked, but uh turned out to to me it was an impressive win 
in a game that South Alabama dominated Central Michigan. It ended up being a 14-point game, but Central Michigan was never in the game. But because of the other big wins, I don't think uh, South Alabama got the recognition they deserve. How about that one? Get a little chance to follow in? Yeah, actually, I had that one on while we were at the trade show. Uh, and periodically, I would check on it because it was an earlier game. And I would come back and look at it just to see what was going on. And I'm going to tell you, um, and, and I truly believe uh, the, the UL game and the South Alabama game, I think those two were way overshadowed, right? It was good peer conference wins. This one shocked me because I really thought I, – I, I still believe Central Michigan is a top tier, top half of the MAC conference, and the way South Alabama embarrassed them was uh, quite impressive. I mean, they jumped out to a huge lead, and then they they held on, and and that fourteen point win was uh, was not indicative of the way South Alabama played. They were they were the better team from kickoff till the the whistle blew at the end of the game, and it was not even close. Yeah, they uh, had a uh, thirty one. Uh, 27, uh, 31 to seven lead. Yeah. Um, so they're an impressive football team and I'm telling you, they're better than, you know, I, I think I picked them to finish third in the, in the West. And I'll be honest with you. Uh, they're going to be a tough out for the whole season. Um, they're playing better than I could have ever expected. They would have played. Absolutely. I, I, I think it's, uh, it's it's one of those that um, I, Jay said it best on, on ours and uh, with me and said that you know it's one of those things that uh, uh, I'm sorry I was trying to do a formula at the same time I, I got to quit um, but no Jay said it best he said what South Alabama had been missing was uh, the uh, was a quarterback and they have yeah. a quarterback now they do they do it's clear that they've got a uh, somebody who can who can throw the ball down the field and uh, they've always been a dangerous team the quarterback position has made them very good this year well i was able to get the formula in and put upright and uh, both of us turned out to be eight and six this week ah, so a little disappointing compared to the first week yeah, I was 19. The first week is a lot of FCS games, so quite honestly. Sure. And we had we had three games that none of us had picked for sure on the, uh, you know, I don't think any of us had picked uh, App State beating Texas A&M. Yeah. Marshall beating Notre Dame. No. Or Georgia. I know you didn't pick Georgia Southern beating Nebraska. I know I didn't. Um, yeah, no, I, uh, that's another team I'm sure we'll talk about. But yep. yeah, another Another big win. I, I think we're going to get a good look at to go back to South Alabama just real quick. Yep. I think we're going to get a good look at South Alabama this week because they they take a bigger step up in class, right? They played Nichols the first week, which was a good FCS team. Well, hold off on that. We're going to go into the, okay. the, the schedule after we get to this. Yeah, but it's going so, to be a bigger step up for them. So yeah. good luck to them. We'll talk so, about it. To your point, we were 19. We're 19. I'm 19 and six on the year. Uh, uh you can't be 19 and six, are you? No, I'm 19, uh, 19 and nine. <laughs> there you go. No, that's wrong too. Nope. <laughs> no, that's correct. Okay. 19 and nine. Okay. And, and you are 18 and 12. No. What? That doesn't sound No, right. you're 18 the, and 10. I was going to say, the math doesn't add up. Well, hey, you know, I'm just trying to screw with you. So uh, moving <laughs> on. <laughs> 
Uh, Southern Miss and Miami, a game that was close, but in the end, really not much to say. Miami pulls away. Yeah, I, I, I didn't see much of it. I did have it up on my iPad while the, the day was going on, and I checked the score periodically. I was impressed that uh, Southern Miss kept it close early, uh, but I think they ran out of gas. And, and I said it last week, and I'll say it again. I, and they've got another quarterback issue. Um, Ty Keyes, who was expected to be their guy this year, he was out for this game against Miami, and he's already been told that he's out, or we've been told that he's out again this week coming up. And this is a team that had multiple quarterback problems last year. Uh, I feel bad for Will Hall. I, you know, I know he expected Keyes to be his guy. He's got a true freshman that's starting now. I think in the long term, it could be okay, but for this season, it might be tough for him again because he's struggling at the quarterback position. In a game that uh, obviously, I, well, I shouldn't say obviously, well, I, I don't think the Redwoods had a chance, but they, they beat the spread against Ohio State, but Ohio State doesn't score in the fourth quarter. So really yeah. called the dogs off. And, and the game was never in doubt. Don't get me wrong. Uh, Arkansas State was overmatched, but at the same time, kept it respectable for the Sun Belt, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I was impressed again at halftime. It was, you know, 24 to nine. Um, it wasn't terrible. Now, obviously, Ohio State uh, really pulled away with it in the second half. And uh, like you said, they didn't score at all in the fourth quarter. Neither team did. Uh, Arkansas State didn't score but 12 points. And they were, you know, they, they just didn't have much that they could do against Ohio State. I don't think Ohio State ever thought the game was in trouble, it, it, you know, yeah. any, any kind of issue. Uh, and probably Four field goals could've. for Arkansas State, so, I mean, it's not like. Yeah. So, I think they could have scored more if they would have wanted to. But, I mean, look, the game was never in doubt. But, you know what, like I said, 24-9 to 9 at halftime, it was respectable. And then they just pulled away at the end. Absolutely. Um, talked about that. Sorry about that. You know. I don't think ULM's getting enough credit for this win over Nichols. This is now. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure this is a different Nichols team that the Cajuns played last year. But the Cajuns finished the 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 season, you know, in the top 25, and yet struggled against Nichols. So for for the uh, coach Bowden, this has got to be pretty fulfilling. I mean, 21 to seven at the half. Yeah, Nichols scored first and then didn't score again the rest of the game. And UL Monroe really put them away in, in the second quarter where they scored 21. I, I, look, it's a it's a win ULM needed to have, and they needed to have a solid win against a, a you know what what is expected to be a decent Nichols team in the FCS. Um, and I think look, 35 to seven, you walk away and you say, look, they had a good game. Ch uh, Chandler Rogers had a really good game passing. Um, I, you know, Mark Jackson had a decent game running, but overall, I mean, Malik Jackson had a decent game running, but, but look, they needed to get a good win in that, in that situation. And they did. And, and we'll see they you know, their schedule is going to get tougher. I think they got Alabama coming up, so we'll find, you know, they're, I don't think they're expecting much this week. Yeah. I don't think you're going to learn anything from ULM for Texas or uh, against Texas or Alabama, but right. uh, a good, good win for ULM. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a, a team that struggled mightily and needed to, uh, uh, that was actually losing 
and um, at, at one point, 24 to 20. No, I'm sorry. That was losing 27-24 with 10 and a half minutes left in their game. Coastal Carolina over Gardner-Webb. Yeah, this one was one that I was uh, I was I, I was shocked to see that it was as close it was, as it was. I followed it during the day, and I tell you what, at, at one point I'm with you. It was late in the game, and I really thought Gardner Webb was going to pull that game out. I, I had every expectation that they were going to win that game. So I, I don't know what to read into that from Coastal. Coastal walks away two and zero. I guess well, they feel that we're 2-0, but, man, that was a tough yeah. win. Well, Grayson McCall did his Grayson McCall thing, 22-30, uh, 308-yard, three TDs, but the, uh, the the rushing attack was not there at 46. And the other thing that I think we're seeing is that that we're not seeing the mullets in, in yeah. the defensive well, side I, of the ball. I think that's where they're struggling right now is defensively. I, 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 I was going to bring the same thing up. You know, Gardner-Webb threw – well, Gardner-Webb's quarterback threw for 400 yards in that game. So there was some some big defensive holes going on in that game for uh, for Coastal, and that's a concern uh, because when you're playing against some pretty good uh, Sunbelt like, like they're going to have to face with App and Georgia State and whoever else they have to play on the West, um and, and they're gonna they're gonna struggle if they can't stop teams I, I i don't think that gardner webb's gonna have as good of an offense as some of the offenses they're gonna run into absolutely and uh another uh fcs opponent troy playing alabama a and m uh, you know it, it was a 7-3 game at halftime and uh with troy being up they they pulled away in the third quarter scoring 21 they allowed uh, Alabama A&M to score 14 in the fourth, but Troy scored 10. Uh, I, it's going to be interesting to see what Troy team shows up at App State this weekend. And I don't want to talk about that right now. We're right. going to discuss that later. But thoughts on Troy and Alabama, A, even though it really wasn't a game. I mean, wasn't that close. Yeah, like you said, it was really close at the half, and uh, they pulled away in the third quarter. They scored 21 21- points and Alabama A&M scored nothing. Uh, the, the disappointing thing, I think, from that game was the lack of running ability that Troy had. Um, Vidal, their running back, who's really good, only had 35 or 38 yards on 10 carries. So I would have expected that they would have been able to manhandle Alabama A&M, and they didn't. So that's a disappointment, I think, from the Troy side. Now, they did throw for a lot of yards but I still think it's a disappointment. Plus the other fact is they gave up 17 points to a, an Alabama A&M team that I don't think you put into the same category as a Southeastern or a, or a Nichols or some of the other FCS teams that, that we would have faced. So I think it was a disappointing outcome for Troy, not anything that they ever felt was in danger, but a disappointment to come out and only win 38 to 17. Absolutely. In my opinion, spot on. Dave, the final FCS uh, matchup, JMU, you know, just a year ago, JMU was, was in the FCS and they are crushing people right now. You know, you got Norfolk state, they beat 63 to seven, 35, nothing at the half, never in doubt, scored 21 points in the third quarter, call the dogs off and still score seven in the fourth Norfolk state only scores seven in, in, in for the game. 
and that came in the third quarter. James Madison, and I know, don't get me wrong, I know Georgia Southern, and I know App State made the jump very quick and and looked good, but man, James Madison, now, they haven't played App or anybody yet, so. Well, and and that was what I was going to say. Look, I I think, look, this is going to be, I actually was sitting, uh, because my hotel room did not get the NFL Network. So I went to a Buffalo Wild Wings in downtown Indianapolis and I was watching the Cajun game and I actually had a guy walk up to me who was a JMU alum and he and I were were kind of talking and I was talking about how impressive they have been offensively. Now look, their minds are going to Be bad. Norfolk State's not a very good football team. And I do believe JMU is going to be a team, maybe not this year, um, but in, in, in upcoming years, they're going to be a team that's going to be that's going to be a force in the in the East. I, I, I think they've got to be impressed with the way they've jumped out this season. Their schedule's going to get harder. They've got a lot more to play, but I think they've got to be happy with the first two weeks of football. I apologize to everyone on Dave's uh, um... Uh, there, I don't know if it's his or mine. I've done everything I can as far as restarting my com- computer, but had a little glitch there. So Dave sounds sound, disappeared for a little bit, came back sounding like uh, a little bit like uh, Donald Duck speaking very fast. But uh, <laughs> yeah. no, uh, JMU twenty four thousand at their game. Yeah, you know at Bridge Bridge Force Stadium. So good for them. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens later. And now I don't know if it rained all day. How bad the rain was. It shows uh, uh, weather as rain. So, uh, again, we don't know. Uh, you know, before we get, I think this is the last game. Before I say that, uh, well, I tell you what, we'll talk. No, it is the last game. East Carolina at Old Dominion. To me, this was a game I didn't expect Old Dominion to win. Uh, but, it, it, you know, after they just couldn't slow we know they've got problems on the offense Mm -hmm. and and they're going to be their strongest on the defensive side of the ball, but they were not able to stop ECU here. Yeah. So ECU has looked like a pretty good football team. They played NC state very well. And then they, they, they really, they really dominated the second half of the football game against ODU. Like you said, you hit the nail on the head. I think ODU's biggest problem is going to be their defense. I mean, their offense, they are not capable right now of putting up a lot of points. They're just going to have to have defensively with teams. And I think they're capable of doing that um, against teams that don't have really high powered offenses, but when they face some of the tougher teams, their defense just, they're on the field too long because their offense can't move the ball. Um, And that's a problem. That's going to be a problem for them all season long. Absolutely. All right, let's go to our uh, first the first big game of the game, a big game of the game. Wait, you did miss one. You did miss one. And I, I, I only bring that up because I, I, I do want to talk about this because I think it was a good win, even though it's against a really bad team. But Texas State did have a oh. nice, impressive win over a uh, another FBS school in them beating FIU. Who FIU could be, you know, they're not a very good team, but it was a good win for the conference to go beat another peer G5 conference and beat them handily. Yeah, anytime you can beat a conference DOA team is is a good day for you. Yeah. Uh, 20 yeah. to 6 at the half, the, the, 
the Bobcats ended up scoring 21 in the fourth quarter to pull away. No, you're absolutely correct there. And I apologize because I, this is a team that we've talked about often that, that it's time for them to, yeah, to step it's, up. It's, it's a good conference win when you look at it in, you know, in its totality. And uh, Calvin Hill rushed for 195 yards. So yeah. he had a great day. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Now, I thought you, I th when you said that, I thought you were pulling up another game. I'm like, whoa, wait a second there, dude. <laughs> we're we're going to talk about them later. But uh, no, um, let's start with the uh, App State Texas A&M game. This is a game out of all the games. I just felt like that App State had exerted so much energy against North Carolina. And I said, you know, if North Carolina can score all of these points against them, how, what is Texas A&M going to do to them? But my God, yeah. they played unbelievable. So a tale of two weekends, right? Um, here's an app team that gave up 63 points against North Carolina and then comes up and holds Texas A&M to 14. What a game. Like it, I, This one was one I watched a lot uh, during the trade show. Good thing I had somebody else in my booth because I was really interested in watching this one. And look, App did not have a good offensive day. Chase Price only threw for 134 yards. Cameron Peoples had a big day at 112, but nobody else really blew it away rushing the ball for him. Their defense played phenomenal in this game. And he gave up 186 yard total offense to the Texas A&M team. Yeah. Listen to this. They gave up 100, less than 100 yards passing to A&M. And the leading rusher for A&M only had 66 yards. Um, their defense was on fire in that game. And, and 26 of that 66 yards came on one run. And the same thing. So they're, they're two. So they, they had 89 yards rushing. Of those 89 yards, 57 of them came on yeah. two plays. Yeah, you're right. Because uh... – they, they had a – their quarterback had one play for 31 yards, and then their running back had one play for 26. And outside of that, he did not do anything. I've said this throughout the day on, on several recordings today. If you tell me Chase Bryce throws for 15, goes 15 oh for 30, and, and only has 134 yards, I say sayonara, App State. You, yeah. ain't, you, ain't, you ain't ready for prime time. If you would have seen just App State's stats at the end of the game you would have said they absolutely got demolished and the fact was they played better defense than AM did and AM played really good defense absolutely let's move on though notre dame marshall this was a game that i um i could not for some reason i i, I don't know i got brain dead and couldn't didn't pull it up on my tv so i went up to our rv spot out at cajun field end up watching the end of the game and this was a game that I really felt the way I was cheering, that I was cheering for, for the Cajuns. I don't do this for other teams. You <laughs> no, know, you're you're right. This was uh, this was an interesting game because it, at, at the end of the third quarter, it was only twelve to seven. Like it was, this is not a game that really was blowing you off the paper. Looking at it, it was really close, and and I kept thinking, well, Notre Dame's going to pull away. At some point, they're just going to run away with this in the third quarter or in the fourth quarter. 
and they they were unable to, and then Marshall put it away with a pick six late in the game. And I'll tell you that Marshall game, that, that Marshall team's impressing me more and more, and they're doing without without their star player on offense. Well, that's what I was going to say, 219 rushing yards, but without their star running back. But where it is is he is practicing this week with the team. Oh, okay. I did not hear that. So uh, I just uh, I just got off an interview with Cody Juno, sideline reporter. So yeah. if you're listening to this, check out our episode with Cody. Cody gives some great insight you know, on the up uh, what happened this week with the Cajuns and what's coming up. So that's, that's our plug there. That's concerning for teams that have to face Marshall because if if they're running the ball that well without him. And then he's a guy that was talked about being the Sun Belt player of the year, offensive player of the year. So yep. that's going to be tough. That's going to be really tough when they add him to the mix if he's if he's available. Absolutely. Let's move on to our final game. Uh, it, again, this this is one. If you if you tell me, if you look at the stats, but you only look at one side of them. Nebraska throws for 318 yards and rushes for 257 yards. I say they crushed Georgia Southern's face. Mm -hmm. But then on the flip side, Kyle Van Treese comes out and throws 409 yards for Georgia Southern. And the Georgia Southern rushing attack goes for 233. Yeah. Crazy numbers. Yeah, and Scott Frost gets fired immediately after, or not immediately, but shortly after Short, the game. It's immediately if it's in 24 hours. Yeah. Uh, the, the shocking thing about this Georgia Southern team is their ability to pass the ball. Uh, and we've never seen that, right? Georgia Southern's always been a ground and pound team. And even last, you know, even the last couple of years, they get a new coach. You expected them to open up the offense a little bit. I don't think anybody expected them to open the offense up like they have. This is this is insane, the, the amount of offense that they've put together in the first two games that they've played. And I'm going to be – I'll be honest with you to say I can admit when I was wrong. And you were wrong. I did, I did not expect Georgia Southern to be a very good football team this year. And uh, they're two and zero, oh. and uh, they—I don't care that Nebraska was not the Nebraska of old. That's a big win for the conference. It's a huge win for Georgia Southern, and all of a sudden, they're a team that you get a little concerned with if you're in the East. Well, you're concerned with them in the West, also if they're coming into your place on a on yeah. a Thursday night. Yeah, so you- <laughs> yeah, I will. I will agree with that. Do you have anything to say to your host about uh, being wrong? It's early in the season. I'm going to say that I still have time. We still have time to get that corrected. But I will tell you, I'm 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 jumping on the Georgia Southern bandwagon more now than I have in the, in the last two years. I think that we'll talk about it later on, and I'm not going to say it now. But uh, no, I, I I agree with you, Dave. Uh, outstanding win. If you want to learn more about the win and more about what uh, what transpired there. I do interview uh, uh, Georgia Southern Voice of the Eagles, uh, Danny Reed. So that is that is either up or will be up shortly as well. So I'm dropping three interviews tonight. Tomorrow night, we'll uh, I'll interview Chris Lano, uh, former Raging Cajun and former uh, uh, analyst for Raging Cajun radio broadcast. So 
Uh, Dave, let's go ahead and take our break. Uh, a well, a break, which is I, I don't think I we plan on spending that much time, but that's okay. We did. I I thought it was important to get your take on a lot of it. I think there's a lot of people. Uh, again, outstanding uh, day for the Sun Belt. I, I don't yeah. think any G5 team has uh, has come even close to that. So you're listening to We're Talking. We'll be right back with Craig Malasson and Raging Dave Amato after this brief timeout. Welcome back into We're Talking Tonight, Craig Malonso and Dave Amato. Uh, Dave, let's talk, let's, let's jump right into Rice. Uh, uh, let's start out with their quarterback. Let's just go go through that um, and not worry about what happened last year with them and everything. This sure. will be the, uh, what, what did we decide, the fifth or the sixth meeting? Uh, this this is, is the fifth. This is the fifth time they and yes. we are we are three and two against them. We uh, we lost to them in 1921, I believe it was uh, 54 to nothing. Um, and we've won three out of the last four, which have been much more recent, but haven't been very recent. Um, they were mostly in the 80s. Um, we beat them. We uh, 88 and 89 was the last two times we played them. And that was uh, Brian Mitchell's junior and senior years um, when we were a pretty good football team, including that seven and 14 that probably should have gone to a bowl game and didn't. Um, uh, Yeah, we've had we've had very few meetings against Rice in in the course of both teams histories, which is shocking when we're only three hours away. Um, so, uh, and I know we have another one upcoming where they return the trip. So that's, that's going to be, uh, I think exciting for us, but, but yeah, it's just not, not a rivalry that's really grown. Okay. So let's jump right in with their quarterback. Uh, their number one guy left, uh, or is gone after last season. Who do they have coming in and what has he done so far? Yeah. So interesting. Um, so they played four quarterbacks last year, um, one of which has moved on. The other one is uh, a player who moved to wide receiver, which everybody knows uh, the name McCaffrey. It's, it's Luke McCaffrey, Christian McCaffrey's brother. So he's a wide receiver now. And then they had a big battle between Wiley Green and TJ Mc, uh, McMahon. Wiley Green won the job. He actually played the first game against USC. And then he did not play against McNeese this weekend because he was hurt. And from all reports that I've heard now, he's out again. So TJ McMahon has become the starter. Um, and he's a six foot 197 junior. He's going to take over, but he had a great game against uh, McNeese. He threw for a lot of yards, but we'll see what happens because he was playing against much inferior competition against but they had a really good game against McNeese. yes they did um what about the running backs where 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 are they going to start out who's their work workhorse so the so the workhorse is uh Ari Broussard um he's a running back who from New Orleans uh and he had about 569 yards and three touchdowns last season he's their main guy but I'm going to tell you a guy that we really have to watch out for. 
they have a five foot five, 160 pound change of pace guy named Cameron Montgomery. He is going to be a guy that they are going to try to get the ball to in space. He is a, he is fast as lightning. I am, I am really concerned about seeing this guy. He was a track star. He runs a, about a 10 second, hundred meter time. So when he gets the ball, he can be electric when he touches the ball. And so we got to watch out for him when he's going to be a guy who doesn't play every down, but when he's going to be tough. They also have another guy named Dean Connors uh, who will come in. He's a Juco transfer and he'll play a little bit. The wild thing about this team, and it's something that you just don't see in college football, they play a fullback almost on every play. Yeah, I was noticing that when I was working on my spotting chart and everything, uh, the fullback position, and he's in almost every play. Yeah. Uh, so that that is something I need to look for and and give the opportunity there. So now, no, I found that up... very interesting that they have them listed as fullbacks also. Yeah. So they he doesn't neither one of them Jerry Johnson the third um, and Jaron Hargan are the two guys Jerry Johnson's the main guy they don't put up any stats they hardly ever touch the ball running the ball and usually what you would see is a, a fullback may catch a few passes out of the backfield um, they neither one of them really have any any numbers Jerry Johnson I think has one catch for negative three yards but they're really in there to be an extra blocker. This is a team that their their dynamic and their plan is to be a pound a grounded pound football team. Rice wants to run the ball. They want to control the line of scrimmage. They have the ability to throw the ball, but they want to run the ball. That extra uh, that extra running back, that extra fullback, gives them another blocker and ability to do that. What is the word on McCaffrey? I mean, moving to wide receiver, you'd think that would be a natural position for, for him, and maybe that's being kind of presumptuous on my part. But no. What does that do is for the team? Yeah, it's good. It's good for him. I, you know, he never really was panning out as a star quarterback, and look, he's, he's a very, very uh, incredible athlete like his brother is, so moving him to wide receiver was not – not a, a wild move. He's not their their number one guy, but he's in the top two or three receivers that they have. Their their main guy um, is going to be Bradley Rosner, a big kid, man, 6'5", 204. Um, he was he's leading the he, against uh, uh, USC. He had a pretty good game. He's the main guy for them. Okay. So where do we start on the offensive line? Where is their strength? Where are they going to move from? You know what's going on there yeah so so i mentioned it this is a team that loves to run the ball and and they're going to try to do it they're going to try to impose their will they've just had um they only have two returning starters from last year um so but both of them are really good um the, the main guy is left tackle place servant um uh, six four three hundred and their right guard shea baker Six two three eleven. So they got some pretty decent size with those two guys. Um, and like I said, both of those guys should be all conference players, whether it's first team, second, or third team. But they should be all conference guys. Gets a little more dicey after that. Um, they bring in a guy at center who started a few games here and there in his first years, but he's been an often injured guy. Left guard Bradley Nutter six three three zero three. 
had nine starts at right guard. So they're moving him to the left side. They got a red shirt freshman who's going to take over a right tackle. Um, and then they ended up losing some serious depth on the offensive line where they had to move Trey Phillippe to tight end because they lost the tight end early in the season. So they've kind of moved some, shuffled some pieces around. This is a team who shuffles a lot of people around. Okay, well, let's, let's move to the defensive side on the ball. What kind of defense do they play? Are they tr- traditional with a 3-4? With a Are they going to do a 4-3 or 3-5? You know, yeah. what are we looking at there? So they're a 3-4 team, a traditional 3-4. But again, this is – so their offensive – or their, their coaching staff came from Stanford. Uh, but the head coach also coached in the NFL as an assistant with the Jets. They – have some ability to move some people around and see some guys that may be on the line one minute, then they're playing an edge rusher a little bit. They're playing a little backer. So you'll see a lot of guys moving around. And uh, up front, they've got a defensive tackle. Um, and I know I'm going to, again, I hate to butcher people's names, but I'm going to butcher him. A defensive tackle, I cannot Enchuukwa, I believe is how it's pronounced. Uh, 6'4", 266, he had 48 tackles last year, four and a half sacks. He's their main guy there. The other guy to watch is their other defensive tackle, uh, DeBraylon Carroll, who's six foot 291, and he had five starts over his first two seasons, but injuries slowed him down. Those two are going to be the main guys there. They're going to be the guys to watch out for. Yeah, you mentioned the uh... – the guy that you couldn't pronounce his name and I'm not even going to attempt to, but um, uh, you mentioned him. I noticed they have about four or five guys from Hawaii and yeah. then four or five guys from New York, four or five guys from New Jersey. So you kind of spread out around the country. And again, Rice is a, a, a premier university and they do not have exceptions for athletes. So right. majority of these, I shouldn't say the majority, all of these players are very bright individuals. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, no, look, they, look, they've got some other talent there, too. Um, they've got a transfer that came in from Abilene Christian, Quint Teachery, who should be a pretty good player for him, too, on the defensive line. Trey Schumann, six foot, uh, 261, was a starter last year. So they've, they've got some moving pieces uh, there, but they did lose three of their top tacklers from last season. So. What do they look at the linebacker core? What are, you know, you said a, a three, four, so four, four linebackers across the middle. Yeah. Then the main guy is a really talented guy named Josh Piercy. Um, he's the leaning returning tackler from last year. They, they lost their top three. So he was fourth. He had 58 tackles and four sacks and he should be an all Cusa guy, probably a first team or second team guy for them. Um, but they also get another guy, Treshawn Chamberlain, um, not real tall, 5'10", 201, but another outside backer who can put some pressure on the quarterback. Uh, he's just been a guy who's been in and out of the lineup because of injury. Um, but before, you know, before that, two years when he wasn't injured, he had 114 tackles in two years at right. So he's, he's pretty good. The guy who's been the shocker, in that uh, lineup for him is a guy named Myron Morrison, who originally I don't think was expected to be a starter, but kind of like us in KCSI, a guy has come on in the first two games and moved himself into the starting lineup. 
Yeah, Des, uh, well, first of all, congratulations to KCSI, uh, Louisiana Sports Riders Association Defensive Player of the Week. Des said that he always knew that KC would be be that type of player. So good for him. Yeah, great, great play in the, especially that last game. He was spectacular. So what are we what are the Cajun receivers going to battle on the on the on and in, in the defensive backfield? They had some big guys because I know we've got some pretty good size. You know, we do have Eric Guerra, who is not very tall, but is pretty much of a lockdown corner. Yeah. But we also have some guys that are much better. What kind of size do they have in the defensive backfield? So they get almost everybody back from their defensive backfield, but there's not a lot of size there. Um, at corner, their their main guy is Sean Fresh. He's a 5'8 guy. And then on the other side of him will be Jordan Dunbar, who's 5'11. So neither one are big, but they're good. Um, uh, it's an it's a area that we could attack with our big wide receivers. But those guys are talented. So, I mean, look, we, we should win some jump balls, uh, especially in the end zone. I know, you know, we like to throw uh, a lot of fade routes to Jefferson and, and Stevens and guys like that who are 6'4", six, 6'5", six, guys and have a big advantage over these guys. But these are good cornerbacks. They're not bad at all. Um, and then at safety, they've got uh, probably four guys that they'll run in and out. One of which is a neat story. It's Gabe Taylor, who's the brother of former NFL player Sean Taylor, who was shot and killed uh, for the Redskins, but a really good player there. Uh, Marcus Williams, 5'11". They, they don't have a defensive back that's in their main starting group who's over six feet tall. So we do have an advantage, I think, throwing the ball up there. Looking forward to that uh, that competition there. Dave, let's take a, another quick break, then we'll come back. We'll talk special teams and take a week uh, look at the week ahead in the Sunbelt Conference. You listen to We're Talking with Craig Malawson tonight. Dave Amato will be back after this brief timeout. <laughs> Welcome back into We're Talking tonight. Craig Molasso and Dave Amato. We're talking Raging Cajun football right now. We're going to talk about uh, Raging Cajuns at Rice. Uh, Dave, let's, let's start on the kicking side of the ball. What does Rice have there with their punter and their field goal kicker? Yeah, so um, they had a little interesting development. Uh, they had a guy, Charlie Mendez, who was their starting punter last year, and he had a pretty good season. He had 42.6-yard average, uh, but he got replaced by Connor Hunt, who was his backup last year. Um, Hunt has six punts this year and a less than 40-yard average with only a long of one punt for 47 yards. So there, there could be – you know, we could see both of those guys – I don't know if Mendez was hurt, and that's why they're giving the job to Hunt. But both of those guys might be battling. We could see either one of them. Like I said, Mendez was a really good punter last year for him, and then Hunt doesn't seem to have as good of stats this year. Now, that could be a lot of other things going on. Um, in the kicking game, they had a battle between a transfer from Washington, uh, Tim Horn, and who played a lot at Washington, and Christian Van Sickle, uh, who 
price last year. Vance seems to have won the job, but then both of them have kicked field goals. But they have only kicked two field goals this year in two games. Uh, Horn is one for one, but his only kick was like a 25-yarder. Van Sickle is 0 for 1, and he missed a 40-plus yarder. So I'm not sure what to expect in a kicking game because <laughs> they've got two guys who have both, like, like I said, one made it, the other one missed a 40-something yarder. So it's hard to tell on off returns. Um, they, they give that to a backup running back, uh, Juma Otavenio. Uh, he's got three kickoffs for 65 yards with a long of 33. And then their punt return is their starting cornerback, Sean Fresh. Uh, and he's only had one punt this year returned for 10 yards. So we don't see a lot from those guys yet, but they've played two weird games because they got blown out in the first game and then somebody out in the second game. Great breakdown, Dave. I appreciate that as always. Always insightful, always to the point. So I uh, appreciate that. Let's move ahead to this weekend in the Sun Belt Conference. I think in the biggest game, not the biggest game, second biggest game to me is Old Dominion uh, at Virginia. The Virginia, uh, Virginia team that is not very good, but at the same time, Old Dominion has a tough time scoring, but Virginia lost to Illinois. What what do you what do you think about that game? Uh, that's a man. That's gonna be that's gonna be one I want to watch. It's gonna be an interesting one because, like, you hit the nail on the head. You've got a, a Virginia team that's not very good. Uh, lost to Illinois and played an FCS team in the first week, and an Old Dominion team that can't score. So I think it'll be a. I, I think it's gonna be closer. I think if I would have picked this game early in the season before the season started. I would have gone with Virginia easy, running away with it. The way both teams have played, I think this is going to be a low-scoring game. Um, UVA is an eight-and-a-half-point favorite, and I, Old Dominion might be able to keep it within that eight points. I, I still think Virginia wins, but I think it's going to be a lot closer than I expected it to be. Well, hopefully we can turn around. The Sun Belt can turn around and punch them in the face. And the I'd most like to get another win. Yes. And what I think is the most anticipated game of the of the week for uh, Sun Belt Conference, South Alabama visits UCLA. Uh, yeah. Man, I, I know it's a lot to ask, but man, if South Alabama can pull that off, uh, and yeah. I'm not sure what UCLA is yet. I mean, they haven't really shown anything. They played uh, Alabama A&M, and I forgot who the other game they played. So, yeah, what, you know, what's this your thoughts there? So this is an early game in Pasadena, right? It's one o'clock our time. So I guess what would that be? 11 o'clock theirs. 11 o'clock there. So it's an early game for UCLA. I, man, again, South Alabama, very impressive win to beat Central Michigan. They beat Nichols the first week. This is a real step up, right, in class. And we'll find out a lot about him. I, I, Again, another one, I, I hope the Sun Belt could pull it out. UCLA has dominated their first two games. You hit the nail on the head. But they beat Bowling Green and Alabama State. And, and right? Bowling Green is in the bottom ten of the ESPN. Yeah. 
So it's two really bad teams that they've gone. They, 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 look, they've won 90 to 24, but they've beaten two really bad teams. They've got to watch out for South Alabama. This could be a huge upset alert. And I really believe South Alabama has a chance to win this game. Absolutely. I'm going to skip through a couple games here quickly, but Marshall should have no problem with Bowling Green. Again, no. Bowling Green is in ESPN's top 10 bottom teams. Southern Mish uh, should should beat Northwestern State. Uh, from what everything that I'm reading, Northwestern State is not a very good one. Um, move, uh, and the same thing with Coastal at Buffalo. Buffalo is a team that's not the Buffalo team that we saw that what, yeah. had 10 or 11 wins just a couple of years ago. So yeah, I think Coastal if, wins that one easily. Yeah, if, if they don't, then we really got to look at what Coastal's doing. Yeah. Um, I, I honestly – as much as I, I want to pull for Texas State here uh, and, and uh, love the fact that they had the, the win over FIU and conference DOA, uh, I, I watched the Baylor-BYU uh, game. Baylor's a really good football team. I think yeah. this is not the Baylor team that, that Texas State played a couple years ago. Yeah, if, if, if Texas State beats Baylor, then we've got something to talk about. Uh, I don't think the game's going to be close. I think Baylor runs away with it. I think Baylor is – Baylor's a very good team, uh, and Texas State I don't believe is where they need to be. Now, yeah, like you said, Baylor lost to BYU in a really close game, but BYU is a good team. They beat Albany like a drum. I, I think Baylor runs away with this game. Georgia State playing Charlotte, another game that uh, Charlotte is, I believe, in the ESPN yeah. bottom ten. Uh, ULM, I'm not. I'm sorry. Uh, I think they're. I think they did what they need to do against Nichols, but there's no chance in hell they beat yeah. Alabama. This is it, not Nick Saban's first year. It's only a 49 point spread. Yeah. Well, it it, it should be more than that. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm agree. sorry. That's an angry uh, Alabama team too. Um. Uh, about that uh the one that intrigues me again is arkansas state and memphis i i don't think memphis is a very good team but at the same time i don't i think arkansas state's a, a couple years away from being good or very good i should say to beat memphis but at the same time my and this is a question for another time does butch jones get four years at arkansas state or will the natives get restless? I think the teams improve, but can they beat Memphis? I uh, I don't think they will. I don't think they will at all. I don't. I I actually don't expect this one to be that close. Good enough. We got two more games left, unless I've missed them. Uh, but uh, Georgia Southern travels to UAB. Uh, I really think this has got to be, for lack of a better, I know Nebraska is a statement game, and some people will say, well, Nebraska is not Nebraska that we think of. But, hey, a uh, quick shout-out to the interim coach, uh, uh, Mickey Joseph, as a yeah. product of Archbishop Shaw in New Orleans. Uh, Mickey and I were in school together. Uh, Mickey played with my brother uh, and also played – and my brother played with his younger brother, Vance Joseph, yeah. who yeah. was the former head coach of the Broncos, which is a defensive coordinator somewhere. But I digress quickly. Uh, Georgia Southern UAB, I think Georgia Southern really needs to. Uh, I, I think it, if they lose that game against UAB, I, I think they lose some, some huge momentum there. 
Yeah, look, this is a statement game. You, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, this is a statement game for Georgia Southern. Uh, the Nebraska game was a solid win, but again, it was a bad Nebraska team, right? UAB is expected to be at the top of Conference USA. Um, I look Georgia Southern. If they win that game, Georgia Southern is a real threat for the rest of the season. If they lose it, and it's a close game, you still think Georgia Southern has improved tremendously. If they lose it badly, it's it's going to be a black eye on them. So we'll find out a lot about you about Georgia Southern this week because this is a game that's going to tell us where Georgia Southern really stands. They win that game. I, I, I watch out Georgia Southern. Absolutely. Final game of the day, and congratulations out to App State hosting uh, College Game Day a game that there's going to be so much going on in Boone this week. The guys can't get distracted because Troy is a team, even though I don't think they're, uh, I think they're the second, well, I thought they were the second best team in the Sunbelt West. Now South Alabama is stepping up. So I'm not yeah. so quite so sure, but at the same time, if app state doesn't watch out, they can get spanked uh, not spank but they can get punched in the face by troy and come away with the loss what's your thought on the game there i i think you are absolutely correct i believe that i i think this game is going to be closer than we expect i i, I think troy is going to go in there uh they're going to be fired up app has a history of letdowns after big games right and i i I think Troy's going to keep it close. I would expect App is the better football team and probably eight out of 10 times they win. And I think they're going to win this one, but I think this game is going to be really close. And if App doesn't watch out, Troy can sneak up and fight them. Absolutely. The one thing that I love about this conversation, the last couple of games that we talked about, you kept saying you're absolutely right. And what can I say? <laughs> I, yeah, no, yeah. So you right. want to rethink your two and 10 Georgia Southern game team? Yeah. I, well, look, uh, yes, I, I do. Cause they're two and oh. <laughs> well, again, we are going to look back. Uh, we are going into week three. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Week, week three. three. Uh, we're going to look, uh, I think we decided that we would take a look at week four and reevaluate the rest of the games. Well, I, I may have to specifically on the Georgia Southern because that's, uh, I, I, again, cannot believe they're 2-0. And, and we're going to learn a lot about them. And Troy, we're going to learn a lot about them this week as well. I think those are two games that if you're a Sunbelt fan, you're keeping your eyes on um, a lot. And, and, and I hope Georgia State goes out and beats Charlotte uh, handily because I think that another peer conference win, Charlotte's a terrible team but we should get a win there. So there's a lot of good games to keep your eyes on if you're a Sunbelt fan. And I think people who aren't Sunbelt fans are going to be keeping their eyes on them after last week. Absolutely. Well, Dave, I appreciate your time tonight. We ran a little bit longer than usual, but hey, I didn't get to ask you. I didn't see you taking a sip of any beer. Did you have anything? I did not. I was. I actually was drinking some vino tonight. I had a uh, Merlot uh, I was drinking. Um because I have not restocked my beer selection. Okay. Well, I just assumed that, you know, you drink that sissy beer. I figured you would have drank a Chardonnay or something. 
No, I do not drink. I, I, I do not drink. Well, I, I won't say I do not drink white wine. I am a red wine drinker when I drink wine, uh, mostly Merlots, some cabs and some uh, some uh, uh, Zinfandels. Yeah. Um, but if I am going to drink a white, it's usually a Pinot Grigio. Uh, but I normally will only do that if I'm eating fish or chicken. So. Um. Absolutely. Uh, no, uh, I, I'm with you on the uh, I'm a cab guy. So, yeah. All right. You've been listening. We're talking with Craig Melanson and Raging Dave and uh, Raging Dave Amato. I'm sorry. I kind of threw that out of the Dave Amato. Thank you for your time. Appreciate it tonight. No problem, sir. We'll be back next week. Uh, if you haven't got a chance, listen to the other episodes with uh, Cody Juno. Um, Shoot, I just had to bring JT Crabtree and Avery. <laughs> so Dave will be back next week and we'll talk to you yes, at that sir. time. Have a good night, everyone. Thank you. Any redistribution or reproduction of any part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited, except, ah, uh, who the hell are we kidding? Distribute it, share it, put it in your podcast, broadcast it, or put it on social media. Just give credit where credit's due.